Welcome back to another episode of Modern Manhood Cold Takes. We're actually face to face this time. Veronica. <laughs> no, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. I'm your, one of your co-hosts, Herman, and on the other side of this table is <laughs> Veronica. Nice to be back. Nice to be back. Um, I know we had Jake last time on. How'd you feel about that? Um, I felt like it was a coup. <laughs> 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 Seems apt right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sure it's just. I'm sure it's just the paranoia about Trump. It's an authoritarian power grab. Yeah, making me feel that way. But uh, yeah, and, and you know what's kind of sad too is like Veronica's so busy um, that she can't come do cold takes. The one thing that brings her joy. <laughs> but no, it's all good. I I was very busy. I still am very busy, but also very burnt out and don't really care about my schoolwork right now so i'm just happy to be back um doing something that i love awesome (laughs) so i'm glad that you feel happy about it in that sort of way um yeah and so like always mar manhood is brought to you by next gen men and the alberta podcast network locally grown community supported if you want to support next gen men in redefining and undefining what it means to be a man you can head on over to nextgenmen.ca We'll have some Christmas swag, I guess. Lots of yeah, tubes. we just got tubes in. Yeah. Um, we were laughing because we got a different supplier this time, and the orange is very orange. Cool. Uh, so anyone who works um, outdoors and needs, like, safety gear, like, <laughs> this is bright, bright orange. And you will it's be like safe. neon orange? Yeah, like, it's oh, yeah. very um, cool. But, you know, there's also gray for the more subdued of us um, <laughs> that don't necessarily want but yeah, we got tubes. Awesome. We do have tubes. We also have some uh, cards for masculinity still available. Very popular item. Definitely something if you have a young person in your life or even just some cool friends in your life and you want to be able to do this as a gift, please do that. Uh, next to men.ca, you can definitely shop for all of that. And if you want to support us because we are an NGO and this is Christmas time, a time that is hard for a lot of NGOs, um, your contributions support the promotion of positive masculinities, healthy relationships, gender equity among the next generation of men. Again, turn over nextgenmen.ca. And it's not like um, just supporting us with um, you know a monthly contribution, but if you uh, choose to do so, you actually get access to our online discussion forum as well, so you can be with other people who care about what we do. Absolutely. And there's a lot of cool stuff in that discussion forum. What were we talking yeah. about last Herman time? and I argue a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Argue nicely. We don't, yeah. It's just a, it's a it, combative conversation. <laughs> well, no, but mostly people are um, No, people having, are really good there. Yeah, they're having really good conversations. One of the last things that I posted was about um, the difference between calling someone whipped in a relationship and calling someone like committed and right. how that's like gendered and... Yep. You know, guys will be called whipped mm-hmm. for the most part, whereas women will just be like, oh, this is expected of you. Yeah. You care for your partner and compromise. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and someone reminded me of the term simp, and that made me laugh because I was like, I forgot that simp was a term. That's yeah, like wild. It's still to a me. weird it's thing. It's so strange. To, whatever. Anyways, so there's, a big, there's a big discussion about like, maybe we can get into that at the second part of the discussion too mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, but we cannot do this conversation without acknowledging the gigantic orange elephant in the room. Yeah, true. <laughs> so we recorded the last cold takes. I recorded it with Jake, and we mentioned that this could be the last um, part of the Trump 
presidency. Alas, you know, he's going out with a <laughs> like a petulant baby. <laughs> kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. So we haven't had heard the last of Trump. I don't think we will hear the last of Trump for a while. But saying that, though, last Saturday, um, it was finally, finally said, finally called by a lot of people, including Fox News, that um, Joe Biden will be president-elect and Kamala Harris will be vice president-elect. Yes. How do you feel about that? Um... I mean, on the one hand, very, very elated. Um, Like, Trump should have never been president. He's so unfit, like, unbelievably unfit to run anything, let alone a country. Um, So, like, yeah, he was, it was terrifying, honestly, the the four years of, like, wondering if he was just going to, like, accidentally start a war or, like, you know. Exactly. Or on purpose, I suppose, as well. Um, Yeah, it was sketchy. It It was terrifying. So I'm very, very happy to... Um, see that the American people decided to get rid of him. Mm -hmm. But I also understand that 70 million people still voted for him. And um, I know that he's going to do everything he can to stir up shit and not leave peacefully. And I wonder how much of that is going to be encouraging his supporters to use violence against other people. Right. Um, And that really scares me still because I think like, I think I saw a stat that was like gun sales went up Mm -hmm. right after um, Biden was declared um, the winner, and I was like, no, like, no, 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 like, who do you think is buying those? <laughs> like, right. It's it's scary. Um, yeah, it's scary, and I feel for everyone in the states, and I hope that I hope they can just get rid of him. And I I saw one interview where he was like, or no, not interview. It was like one of his rallies, and he was like, can you imagine if I lose, I'll have to leave the country. I was like, fucking do it, <laughs> please do it, leave. Yeah, I don't. I he he's. I don't think him, even up to even and afterwards the inauguration, we're not going to hear the last of Trump. I think this is not going to be one of those situations where he's just going to fade out into the limelight or fade out into the sun and we'll never, like, we'll hear him every once in a while about, like, you know, I don't know, just like how we hear about George W. Bush. It's like, that, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Trump is a person that wants to be a brand. I think he wants to be in the spotlight and I think he wants to run again in 2024. Like, and I think that like he is just gearing up again to do more rallies, to do more sales, to just gather up the thing. The thing is though, what would, you know, you're like, just giving me with this like very anxious look and he can't see it, but it's like, Oh God. <laughs> the face looked like a squirrel. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm over here panicking, guys. <laughs> here, here's my my silver lining to this. I think that like, um, and I was listening to to like a media podcast just recently about this, and they mentioned how even just a little bit before the the president elect, even after the like like November third, where it looked like Biden was going to win, and it looked like like things were turning to for Biden uh, for the mail in ballots that a lot of the networks are starting to like drown him out or like they they cut off his like um, they're drowning trump out yeah they're drowning trump out and they're i think they have the social capital now to just kind of mute him you know what i mean not to pay attention before he was the president and you had to pay attention because whatever he said like involved policy or like whatever it was right but now because he's not the president you don't really need to pay too much attention to him as much right like he can say some wild stuff and it's not going to matter worldwide if 
unless somebody else like like makes it makes it a point to do that. Mm. So with Joe Biden as president, um, the only thing that really is like important right now is the Senate and Mitch McConnell is a weirdo <laughs> and somebody who's who might just like be a bitter asshole about it. Uh, but I think that like like he has been for like 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but I think like even oh. like like what you know what what Twitter is doing like he, they were like muting his um, Trump's tweets and stuff yeah. like that. It's <laughs> just really like funny. <laughs> yeah, it's great, right? But it, now they, they now they have the social capital to do that, right? They're just like, okay, now we can do this because he's not the president anymore, right? Well, I also feel like people were like very concerned about this election, and it sort of prompted social media websites to actually take mm-hmm. facts into consideration for like one. Th- the first time right <laughs> and you're right. like wow things are actually getting censored because that might not be true can you do the, all the conspiracy theories next like please yeah like holy fuck before someone else shoots up a pizza parlor like yeah I know. can we anyway that's getting ahead of ourselves yeah it's okay though um i think that's a good it's a good point like and i think that like the idea where i think instagram and facebook and, and twitter have been getting into a point where they're like i think i think someone was mentioning this that that once you post something that's political on Instagram. Like if you put it in a story, it'll give you like a warning that says, are you sure this is real? <laughs> like, are you sure that this is yeah. like, this is a fact? This yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. When sharing election stuff with my yes. sister, I would get like a little pop up that was like the election. Like, are you sure? Um, or like, it hasn't been called yet or like whatever, mm. or like there's lots of misinformation. I'm like, wow, Instagram, look at you looking out for me for the first time. Yeah, I know. Eh? <laughs> Where were you four years ago? <laughs> yeah. Are you also going to tell me now that people are Photoshopped? <laughs> 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 that would be the next step, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even imagine. <laughs> that would be such a... Oh, I can just see the, the turmoil for that. Anyways. Um, People be like, holy shit, that's, well, yeah, that's I a could, thing? I could just see like somebody, like a model, being like, I'm not Photoshopped. What the hell is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, that's... that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. But like, the, I do think that... like whatever Trump is saying now, I think networks and people are going to start to not pay attention as much as they used to. Mm. And I think he's still be, going to be a force in Republican politics. I just don't know how big of a force he'll be. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the Republican Party just really are so want to move away from that or do they realize that he's still a force and they need to lean into that. And that's something to be seen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because someone had also shared, I think it was on Instagram, um, like John McCain's uh, speech when he lost to Obama. Mm -hmm. And it was so respectful and so like wholesome in a way. And you're like, you're a Republican? But like it's because we've become so accustomed to like Trump's style Mm -hmm. of like and and recognizing that he like pulled that party like very far to the right from where maybe they were before or they were just like nicer about it i guess so it's it's one of two things really but like but like damn at least like holy he had like john mccain like honestly like yeah listening to that i was like respect buddy like that like you know he stopped his supporters from like booing when he was like you know obama won or whatever and they were like boo and he's like no like he's a good politician like he's gonna do right by all of us sort of thing and i was like this doesn't even seem like politics anymore. Like, what, yeah, <laughs> what is this? Like, it's so foreign to, to me. And that's a good point about thinking about, and we were talking about this earlier, actually, um, about how we think about Republicans and conservatives and people in the red states or even people who are 
right wing in some ways and like how there is some and these in just regards are just people in general and they are worried about certain things that we may not like you and i for example like don't worry about as much um, or we, there's a lot of overlap too with all exactly. the things that we worry about. We just think the solutions are quite different. That's exactly it. Yeah. So. So, and I think that like, you may be right that I think that someone like John McCain reminds us of that sometimes, and being like, you know, it's not that there's like good Republicans or bad Republicans. It's just like our opinions because there are there are also good Democrats and bad Democrats <laughs> and yeah. good progressives and bad progressives. And, the, and systems that really don't serve us well in a lot of cases. So can the representatives of those systems serve us well is also like a big question. That's exactly it, right? Like who are you serving, right? What systems are you serving? And mm-hmm. I think that's important to know because there is different flavors of politics that I, I don't know. I think Trumpism or Trump style of politics, the very like overt, we're going to, we, I'm going to take mine and I don't care who knows it kind of politics, I think works and doesn't work in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, Well, it certainly appeals to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, because a, a lot of people, what they said when asked, like, why they supported Trump was like, well, he tells it like it is. And it's like, okay, like, first of all, he doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if he really tells it like it is. But what they, what they want is like, like honesty. Right? Yeah. Like someone to tell you, or like transparency, like someone to say, like a politician just say what they actually mean mm-hmm. is what they are looking for, right? They Which like I, I can understand. Right? Yeah. Like, and, and to be honest, like Trump is authentic as he, he's authentically <laughs> yeah. a narcissist and an asshole, but he doesn't hide that, right? Like, there's no, you cannot, you yeah. cannot like be like, oh, is he trying to be nice here? Or is he, no, you know that he's not being nice. Yeah, like, he you can't know fake that anything. He cannot fake that, right? <laughs> And that's interesting because it's like, like if you look at the quote unquote other side, like if you say like, and I think a lot of people, a lot of progressives like ourselves, and sometimes I get caught into this being like, well, we need somebody who is just kind of a progressive asshole sometimes. Like we need somebody that's just going to be like, I don't care what you think. These are the policies these are the things that are important to me and to this part. And like Bernie Sanders was kind of like that person for a while. Yeah. But I don't know, like, I feel like some progressives are just like, we need that, (laughs) but leftist. Um, That actually reminds me of seeing Jagmeet Singh posted something on Twitter being like, down with Trump, like during the election, like, you know, whereas I think like Trudeau is just kind of like trying to trying to be very like cautious, like whatever. (laughs) But Jagmeet's just like, I don't give a fuck. Bye, Trump. Like, (laughs) need help packing. See ya. Like, yeah, which I'm like, yeah, that's that is truly. um, And there there are certain. um, Yeah, there are there are some candidates who are kind of like that. And I I do respect when they're just like, tell it like it is. I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's appealing, right? Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. You just feel like, yeah. But I mean, does it build bridges? No. question marks and that's the thing but. too right and also like imagine if that person would have majority government and majority of like they can just do whatever they want that's also a little scary too right i'm also like i think that like uh <laughs> i don't think governments this is my opinion and I don't, some people may agree or not some people not but i don't think governments should be ahead of the people and the culture that they, that precedes them like i think the if I look up towards like Alberta politics right now, 
like because we have a majority government, it's majority conservative. They are the ones um, pulling the policies and pulling Alberta ahead instead of like the people telling them what they want. Do you know what I mean? Like, so for example, so they said, um, you know, we're going to open up schools and everyone's like, don't. <laughs> and everyone was like that. And I think that even like, there were some, a lot of like organizations, like there was a lot of like pro-conservative organizations that were like, what are you doing? I don't know what it was. There was a policy as well to that. Even like it was across the board. They were like, don't do this. And they still did it. Right. So it was more of like they were pulling the they were pulling the, the cart instead of like letting the people pull the cart. Do right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of like um, they weren't really listening. Yeah. Um, they didn't really have like a, a finger on the pulse to like feel like what people actually wanted. I mean, I think a lot of people did want schools to reopen because parents were like, I can't fucking be yeah, child I don't think care it was in schools. this. I, I, but, like, I think it was something else. I'm but no, no. To your point, they they didn't want them to reopen with no plan. Exactly. Like, and that yeah. was the problem. And no additional funding and all of these things cut. They were just like, okay, like this isn't really the way to go about it. If like, you know, all these other um, provinces had like really good plans around like how they were going to reduce class sizes and like how they were going to yeah do this. And we were just like, no, it's fine. Like everyone will just wear masks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll sanitize a bunch. It'll be, everything will be chill. And we're like, no, like we might need to make more plans than this. And you might need to actually f- like recognize that like these things are going to cost money yeah exactly because it's not business as usual mm-hmm. yeah and i think so, yeah. that may be the case yeah i think you're right i think there was i don't know, I remember it was another policy anyways i remember there was an, another policy that was like across the board people were like don't like even when it was just like not even progressives but even like people who were conservative and people who were like like the business or the business organizations were like what are you doing <laughs> like and even then like kenny was like no we're still gonna do it we're just we're gonna, gonna do, do it. it yeah and cool. <clears throat> And so I don't like when a government does that, like, and regardless of, regardless of the government, right? Like, like, I think the government needs to respond to the people instead of like the well, government. Yeah. There's another point of representation. Exactly. Right. Your representative <laughs> exactly represents it. you. Yeah. So <laughs> that's always scary when we have like a majority government and even like majority, like, so I, I hope that in some cases, and, and, I'm, and I'm, if we go back to what it is in the U.S., like. I think Joe Biden, even though he's not the most progressive person, I think he's a very centrist. And I think if he was, like the people were talking about, it's like if Joe Biden was a Canadian politician, what party would he be? Everyone was like, pretty sure he would be like a PC, <laughs> like a progressive conservative. Yeah. <laughs> or like a, like a very right-wing liberal. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's what he would be. <laughs> yeah. Like he wouldn't be like like a like a green party or ndp there's no, no way <laughs> and it makes me laugh so hard that one of the things people are saying about kamala is that she's a communist i'm like do you know what that oh word God, means I, I don't think you know what it means like she's not at all and not no like i really haven't seen a democrat in the states that would be like they wouldn't be in the party if they were like even bernie is like He's a socialist. Bernie's like, a socialist, yeah. Just being like, listen, we should have healthcare, which is like not radical. Yeah. I think Bernie would definitely be more of an NDP person. I would just yeah. like, I'm just like, Bernie, like Kamala Harris would definitely be like a liberal or like a, like even like, like a conservative. Like yeah. he would be, a, she might even be conservative as well too, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's funny when they do that. It's, I think they just have like, America has such a big like red scare of like communism, oh socialism that just like drives them so yeah. hard. It's, it's so sad. It mm-hmm. is yeah, it's really sad because a lot of things like healthcare that could help 
people in such meaningful ways like they they're so afraid of it and it's like oh i just feel sad i feel sad i know i know you were talking about um kamala harris in general like Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you in regards to seeing like a female vice president i mean like it's about time (laughs) (laughs) you know you're like you're like cool like representation's dope and like i think a lot of um i think a lot of young young people especially like young women in the states are probably looking at that and being like fucking sweet glass ceiling shattered right fuck yeah and i think it's important for like young men to look at that and be like oh women in leadership right like this is possible and you know she commands this amount of respect and so like yeah just understanding that i think like you know for so many for so many men who are kind of taught to feel entitled to roles of like authority and power to understand that like yeah you very likely will have a woman as your boss at least once in your life um to kind of like see that early on to like know that that's a distinct possibility is probably a good way to prepare and kind of dispel some of that like weird entitlement stuff that like no like (laughs) is not owed to you yeah for sure for any reason so yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's. I think you're right. I think the representation thing is really good to see. Um, would love to see uh, a woman president. Um, I ho- would hope that woman president would be progressive and not like mm-hmm. <laughs> conservative and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that would. That's my only fear. And Kamala Harris has her like doubters, and I totally understand that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are concerned about her kind of history um as an attorney and kind of doing things that are actually really harmful um to marginalized people so like um and i'm probably not going to get all the facts right so i apologize in advance but like um you know denying trans women the right to be Mm -hmm. in women's prisons Mm -hmm. instead of men's prisons i know that was something that happened um Trans women specifically, right? Yeah. Yeah. And same with like, you know, denying a bunch of people, um, you know, bail or or insisting on like prison sentences for people on like minimal like drug charges and stuff. So like there there are things that it's like, okay, like you might be a woman and a woman of color, but like you're protecting a system Mm -hmm. or or like an agent of the system that Mm -hmm. harms um, marginalized people. So like, what the heck, you know? So like there are there are a lot of things that people are like, hmm like are we happy with this i don't know because like we're really gonna have to push for her to um like yeah protect marginalized people instead of uphold systems that harm them for sure for sure yeah for sure and i wonder what her role would would be in that kind of that kind of area um i'm very interested in what their cabinet's going to look like like who are going to be the secretary of labor secretary of like um <clears throat> Secretary of State and stuff like that, um, Secretary of the Interior and whatnot. So that might be interesting to see who they pick from. I think that they're going to pick somebody like Pete Buttigieg, who is who is a gay man, for example. Um, I don't think that Bernie or Elizabeth Warren are going to be picked into anything, <laughs> which is going to be really sad. Like everyone was like pulling for Bernie to be Secretary of Labor. I think that would be great, <laughs> but uh, I think that they're yeah. going to pick not no senators in it. So, 
Interesting. I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, I wish Bernie would have won. I know that would have been in, that would have been such an interesting election, Bernie versus Trump. It would have been such a. I don't know. I could see Trump winning that election, though. It was so close. Yeah. That was the other thing that I wanted to mention, oh, how God. close it was. Don't even remind me. I was, like, <laughs> sweating all week, just, like, anxiety. Like, oh, God. Yeah, it was bad. It, like, took up a lot of my time and attention looking at, like, checking the news to be like, oh, my God, like, how close? Because I was like, no, another four years of Trump and, like, 100%, like, the country is going to burn. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I also found, like, more specific stuff on Kamala, if you want sure. me to read it. Um, yeah, so things like, here we go, Harris fought back against a California court ruling saying the state couldn't keep prisoners in overcrowded conditions and deny them medical care. Her reasoning was that the state needed their slave labor <laughs> provided Ooh. by mass incarceration. Damn. Uh, she probably didn't say it like that, but yeah. Um, and then it continues. Um, she sponsored legis- legislation. Oh no. Where is it? I lost it. Sorry. Uh, oops um no sorry i lost it i had another thing anyway okay. it's just yeah it's, yeah she has her she has her issues there, there are definitely some <laughs> She's things definitely, same with Joe Biden. oh yeah here we go harris fought to keep marijuana criminalized in california and right. resisted efforts to deprioritize the arrest of nonviolent drug offenders um, right right that one was a big one that one yeah. was a big one. She also pushed to send parents of high school students to jail for having more than three unexcused absences oh, in Lord. a year. Jesus. Uh, intervened <laughs> a bunch of times on behalf of dirty prosecutors, lobbying to keep using an execution method that the courts had deemed unconstitutional. Yeah. So she is definitely a hard ass litigator. So this is the thing with the, as vice president, I don't know what her mandate's going to be like a no pants for example he was big task of the coronavirus task force um so i don't know how much of a litigator like this kind of this kind of like politics would would inform a lot of like the vice president but who knows i don't know who knows i don't know so anyways (sighs) any last thoughts before we uh wrap up our election coverage (sighs) no i mean i am I'm definitely, like, relieved on the one hand, but, like, still, I don't know. There's a lot of work ahead of There's definitely a lot everyone of work. in There's the States. There's definitely a lot of work. And, like, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just so lucky they have, um, you know, particularly, like, black women organizing and showing mm-hmm. up for mm-hmm. the Democrats, even, you know, even though, like, you know, a representative like Harris has a not great track record of actually protecting um, yep you know, marginalized people. So yeah, they're, they're just, I think that the Democrats are really going to have to get over their fear of appearing too left because I think their population is pretty fucking left at this point. Like a lot of people are pushing for things like, um, you know, defunding the police in the States. And like, I don't know. I think people think that that's like, so like not conceivable and like, Oh my God, but like a lot of people support it and Mm -hmm. understand it. So like, I think the Democrats kind of have to, figure that out yeah yeah and it's gonna i look about i look at the the statistics of like who voted and who voted where like black people definitely definitely won the election um for biden like that black women black women specifically yeah and i think that like that was such a big big thing um then i think the i think the u.s really really owes black people a favor for that because that is was not something. a favor, just always to treat them with 
fucking decency and yeah, like equals absolutely. and like fucking but they owe them, them. They owe them one. You know what I mean? Like they they really do because they think that was like anybody who didn't want Trump to be another next another four years of him really have to go up to the people the their black voters who voted for Biden and like and actually fucking listen to them. Listen to them, fight for them, mm-hmm. like do something that's going to help them out because I think that like just being just washing your hands of it it's not going to be enough um no fuck no i also looked at the latino voters and i think that there is a lot of conversations to be had in that kind of demographic um just because i'm latino and i'm interested in that um at the same time that like there is i don't know it's interesting because we we can talk about black voters and i think they're not a monolith as well but i think latinos are very much not a monolith either and i think that like there is an idea of that people like people of color are all going to vote progressive. And I think that illusion hopefully can be shattered because I Mm -hmm. think they really really need to reach out to different types of Latino voters in New York versus the Latino voters in Florida versus Latino voters in Texas, for example, like Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're different. They're, they have different values, different ethics and different ideas of what it is to be an American citizen. Um, Yeah. Like I just looked in Florida. I'm just like, the like the cubans and the venezuelanos and the people who go to florida um they're not fans of like socialism you know what i mean so it's like they they come there for a reason right they they came there to like escape socialism for example um so they have a different idea of what that means right yeah and i even see it from like my family members in chile they like the older crowd they're very much like well i don't know i I don't like this idea of like they they're very much like individualist. So they love that idea of like being able to raise something up with your own two hands, which even though we know that's kind of a fallacy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that that exceptionalism and individualism that's that really brings true in the American dream and I think that like uh yeah, it's different in Latinos and I think that we as this, even in Canada it's just like you can't treat everybody like 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 a demographic like that just like all the same like mm-hmm. latinos love less black people love less <laughs> like you know what no. i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah also like can we just say how disappointed we all are that more white women voted for trump this time around than last time like yeah i mean what? white people in general like what the fuck yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah yeah white women would have given trump the vote no problem i'm so disappointed yeah, it's, I think that's gross. But. Yeah, and that's another question to be had too. Like, what what do you? What's do wrong with that? you? What do you do with that? Right? Like, <laughs> what do you do with that? Right? That you always like. I think Democrats a lot like try to push towards the white survivor mom vote, and like, why? <laughs> that's one yeah. time when you're like, go look out to see your other demographics, like the youth vote, for example, like young people, like black people, like. Latinos make up such a big demographic in in the U.S. Like, look what they need in different states. Like, mm-hmm. they are gonna they're gonna give you uh, a mandate. I don't think white women should be giving you a mandate. Yeah, wild. <laughs> I don't know. I have nothing to say. Just disappointment. Just Fair enough. Pure disappointment. But hey, from here to January twentieth, it's gonna be a wild ride. Yeah, yeah, I will. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to try to tear my eyes away from the news all the time because that's getting getting a bit much. Getting a bit much, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's take a break, and then we'll come back. We're going to talk about uh, another 
what do you call it? A spicy conversation. Oh my God. Yeah. Spicy. Be right back. Today's episode of Modern Manhood is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast from the Edmonton Community Foundation. On the latest episode of the Well Endowed Podcast, Julian Fade explores the history and impact of car culture in Edmonton. Julian is joined by Ashley Salvador, a city planner and president and founder of Canada Backyard Housing Association. Ashley walks us through the automobile's contentious rise to prevalence through the 1920s. The automobile industry's campaign to crown the car as the king of the road, and whether the industry's promise that cars provide drivers freedom actually holds up. Then we're joined by Julie Kusia, president of the Queen Alexandra Community League. Julie was at the forefront of pushing the city to reevaluate its community neighborhood renewal process. She's also a driving force behind the city's continuing efforts to make the streets safer through lower speed limits. You can find this episode from your favorite podcast catcher of choice via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, or you can go to the wellendowedpodcast.com to find that episode. So that's thewellendowedpodcast.com. This episode is also brought to you by the Calgary Foundation. Whether it's funding anti-racism programs, addiction recovery, or food hampers for the hungry, for 65 years, the Calgary Foundation has proudly supported the charitable community to address some of Calgary's biggest challenges. Now, during this period of unprecedented urgent needs, Calgary Foundation renewed its commitment to building a healthy, vibrant, giving, caring, and resilient community. If you're a registered charity looking for a grant, professional advisor creating a giving plan for your client, or a donor waiting to give back to the community, a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about their work through Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All right, welcome back. This is was a conversa- topic of conversation in one of our circles. Yes. Correct? Yes. I was hesitant to do this for ages. <laughs> yeah, but then my volunteers threw us all under the bus no it was <laughs> no, um no no not, not like that but i did like for this um for the fall i asked volunteers to pick their favorite topics from a list and this topic is an often requested absolutely one. is so i was like well they, the people have spoken <laughs> so i was like we yeah. have to do it yeah that's um, true. but yeah we talked about porn porn mm-hmm. porn was a big one mm-hmm. i'm gonna tell you my hesitation before we get started this is yeah. the reason why i i did not want to do um maybe i think it might have worked works well online because i think you can like filter conversations very well um so when we were doing circle in person and i was worried because we were going i feel like there are if you're in the masculinity gender space there's kind of like two frames of thoughts on this either you're very pro-porn or you're very (laughs) anti-porn like it's very like censorship 100% and censorship 0%. (laughs) And I always found that there was kind of like this moralistic element to porn, like that there is, and I've, and I've seen, I've heard, I've been a part of many conversations about porn being such a detriment to society that we need to like ban everything. And it comes from a very like, now I want to say spiritual, but it comes from a very like religious background where very like that catholic like you cannot 
talk or think about sex until you get married kind and of. then only do it for procreation for procreation one to have boring position babies <laughs> yes in the missionary position <laughs> only <laughs> and don't masturbate or you'll go blind you will yeah. go blind you <laughs> so that was like Just, the one yeah. aspect of it and the more i read about porn the more i like read about the research around it what are the 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 you know the things that really hurt us in regards to porn and also like there's the issues of like the the no fap movement for example yeah like, no fap is fascinating yeah and also like we're in in november which a lot of people have said no not november have you mm-hmm. heard of that yes, yeah. yes. Um, i wonder if people are still doing that oh yeah are are people still do this? yeah no? people still okay. do that. Okay. i saw that hashtag in november and i was like okay forgot this was okay. a thing yeah um so that's kind of like this idea of like you do not masturbate you do not have sex in november to kind of like i don't know like it's like it's like yeah. one of those like a cleanse or something yeah, there's like, exactly i think there's like a kind of pseudoscience um undertone to that where it's like you're like rejuvenating your masculine energy or something, <laughs> or something. something. I, don't I don't know i really don't know that's it, why it's fascinating though it's like people and but be, i think people have various reasons for um for wanting to commit to no fap um, yeah and for some it is like a real concern with like their porn use like they think like yeah. it's out of hand and they're exactly. like kind of worried about themselves like for a variety of reasons and like for some it's like yeah like save your masculine seed <laughs> and it's like yeah. what <laughs> so what does this mean <laughs> so that's why i was like i don't think that there's an actual like i think there is a real conversation to be had about porn i just sometimes i feel like the people who have come up to me and being like, we need to talk about porn are very like porn is evil. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, and that we need to sh- like, like this is an issue and a problem and we need to deal with it right now. And so I'm like, there's a nuanced conversation there. And I don't know if you're ready to have it. Mm. And so that was my concern about it. That was always mm. been my concern about it. And that's, that's why I said, you know what, let's just kind of lay it off. But um, I wasn't a part of this and I was just like, I was like, you know what, have it. And I think that's really be good to have to do it online. I think it would be really interesting. And it was a good conversation, right? It was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Tell me about it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Do you want me to start um, at the beginning? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) Herman's correcting my proper usage of a microphone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, like, I mean, to start out with, like, I think it was really interesting coming together with the volunteers to plan the conversation Mm -hmm. because it was evident right off the bat that we all had really different um, experiences and understandings and, like, opinions around the topic. So I thought, like, that was really interesting because I, in my second year of university, wrote a really good paper okay <laughs> it was like it was bomb it was a great yeah, paper pat, pat um, on the back. It's good. i know right but i mean like it was it was straight up like a good paper about um kind of the harms that porn causes to women both within and outside of mm-hmm. the industry um and i mean it was very obviously one-sided because it was a position paper so i was taking well, a, position take a position and arguing yeah. it but uh so so that was kind of the background that I'm coming with um, to the conversation. But of course, it has like my understanding has certainly become more nuanced over time due in large part to a lot of friends who are very like um, like pro sex work, mm-hmm. um, like decriminalizing sex work and stuff like that. Um, so it's like, yeah, like it's good to be challenged. It's good to understand that 
this is an issue where I think multiple things are true mm-hmm. at the same time. So I wanted to make sure that our conversation could pull that out. And I think like the volunteers were really helpful with that process too. Like we were looking at, a, at it from a lot of different ways. Um, and yeah, it ended up, ended up being, I think like a really good conversation, hopefully to get people to think about the fact that it is extremely multidimensional. And I, I don't think that people came away with, you know, potentially like, their minds necessarily changed because that wasn't the point yeah right it wasn't the point it was to be like like this is huge like there's a lot of sides to this and um and yeah like a lot of things are going to be true at Mm -hmm. the same time Mm -hmm. were there any good takeaways that came out of that conversation um well i actually had my notes but i didn't bring them with me they are upstairs still potentially yeah um stop and grab them yeah Yeah, we can do that do you want to pause it i'll pause it doesn't know how to use this thing. Okay. <laughs> Figured it out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm an asshole. I love you. Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we we broke up the conversation into, like, two parts, essentially. Um, and the first part was talking about kind of porn's effects on individual people. Mm-hmm. And the second part was talking about um, porn and its effects on like culture. Um, so kind of like the micro and the macro. Yeah. If you're sociologist nerds out there. Um, but yeah, and I think it was a good way to do it because again, like it might be something, you know, people are thinking about on like an individual level, but we should also think about it like culturally and like just yeah. have that bigger perspective Absolutely. too. Mm-hmm. And so um, like we talked about in terms of like effects on people, um, we talked about how porn could be normalizing sex and masturbation, right? Uh, making it like, you know, like we talked about earlier, like it's not like, rather than these like puritanical beliefs about like porn being, or like even just sex in general, right? Being like gross or like shameful or whatever. Mm-hmm. It kind of says like, no, like this is normal. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and and that could be really good, right? Like we, you know, uh, the definition of like sex positive is really thinking like, okay, like sex between, you know, consenting adults is it's normal, fine. healthy, normal. fine, good, yeah. actually great. So like people do um, it. Yeah. And all the it's time. Yeah. not a shameful thing. And it's exactly. not a bad thing. And I'm like, yeah, like I can totally get behind that. Like that makes sense. Um, and you know, like people, people brought that up like, um, even one one of our participants saying like could there be like therapeutic effects for people who might be like recovering from like sexual shame or trauma um and it's like yeah that's Possibly. a good point yeah i don't know maybe yeah. um but that would make sense uh, in a way right um and yeah and the ways in which like that shame and that guilt around sex really leads to a lot of problems i think in and pe- people brought that up as well. Like in society, we see like, you know, and I don't want to have to like pick on, you know, a particular group, but like certain members of certain religious clergy <laughs> ending up like abusing children. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe if sex between adults wasn't viewed as like this horrible thing, you wouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this. Like, I don't know yeah. like if that's part of it. Right. Yeah. I don't know um, that either. There may be something to do more about like authority and power. Power. And stuff like yeah, that. absolutely. I, mean, I could see what you're saying. I, but I, like sort of like. You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it has to be, like, it's just so strange. Like, if, if 
sex and masturbation are going to be seen as like this horrible thing within you know certain realms of of religion then yeah what excuse do you have seriously <laughs> like, yeah for abuse like i don't know anyway it's this whole thing um but um yeah so like lots of lots of that um discussion about basically like yeah can porn be this kind of pushback against the censorship of human sexuality and desire and kind of like puritanical beliefs so that's one part um another part was talking about um the effects of porn on people's mental health Mm -hmm. so and this is probably where we come back to like no fab um Mm -hmm. because like on the one hand like a dopamine hit from an orgasm is great (laughs) like it's found to relax people all that on the other hand, in many places online, you can hear stories from like mostly men um, talking about how they're concerned that their porn use has had negative effects on their mental health. Like, you know, their self-esteem has taken a hit, their right. um, body image, yep. um, their expectations of women and relationships have been kind of warped or skewed. Mm-hmm. And like they recognize this and they're like, mm, this might not be good for me. Yeah. So thoughts on this? Before there I rambling? definitely is. And I totally think that like I agree that it's like a hmm. in regards to this is some of the studies that I've heard and also like uh, I just remember watching this documentary called on over 18 um, it's a very puritanical view on like what porn is and I think it was done by a Canadian organization that was like if you look into it further it's like has very religious ties and all these things and so it comes from a very specific point of view Um Although it does make a, an interesting point in the sense of like that young people are watching pornography at an early age and that it it does affect their view of sex and it does affect their view of what a relationship is and whatnot. Although the documentary takes into more of a um, like pro-clutching like, oh, my dear children uh, <laughs> kind of view, which... <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't agree with, um, like, like, like Kids it was have always had sex. Let's just yeah, put let's it just right be real here. And <laughs> like, and honestly, like, kids are becoming more sexualized as the years come. And unfortunate for parents to uh, for parents to hear that, like, a child's first sexual encounter could come when they're like eight years old, ten years old, right? So it's like very young age that people are, are becoming, you know, exposed to sexual encounters and that's something parents have to deal with um the thing is though is it is it does it come to a point where um real mental health issues happen like i don't think every person who gets exposed to porn will have these kind of views unless they are really really get addicted to it and i think that happens I think that the societal question is there. Yeah. I think that that part is important. I think that like if we're taking it to the macro view, um, mm-hmm. that I think I agree with. Like I think I have a definitely agreeance with like do we see women in particular um, as a sort of subservient class because of sex, because of porn. And not even that's something that is that we have to, we as men specifically, have to abuse in order to have pleasure with. I do think porn has a major effect on that for Mm -hmm. sure and i i appreciate what you mentioned the last time we talked about this we're like yeah that's how people now will see as real sex as having this sense of abuse and not only that 
it's not even just a normalization is that you get off of it <laughs> yeah which yeah. i think is pretty scary like considering that there are like categories on porn sites for like rape and like torture and you're like oh yep cool and for sure someone is getting off on someone else's pain is that you know reinforcing a circuit in your brain that associates someone else's pain with your pleasure yeah and is that kind of not good yeah and the thing the same thing that there is bondage for example that is very consensual and very um like liberating for couples as well too right so it's like yes i agree like the rape part of it is like terrible although there are things like bondage that is can be considered some sort of um like abuse in some sense but it can also be consensual so it's like, where does the line get crossed? When there's that? no consent. Yeah. <laughs> Which no, but is I mean like hard for people to know. Exactly. It com- um, becomes very... With what they're watching. Yeah. Was it made with everyone's consent? And you don't always know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it was made with consent, but it's still like, clearly this is depicting what is supposed to be rape. Yeah. Is that still a problem? I and know. I would and that's say, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem for women generally yes maybe not for that specific woman who consented to be in a porn scene that depicted rape societal wise yes the macro but the macro yes yes Yes. i think it's a individualized to the specific video or whatever it is hypothetical video i don't know we don't know right like it could be done consensually it could not be done consensually whatever but macro wise well it's not whatever herman (laughs) I, i know i know what you mean but i'm but i'm talking about like yes macro wise then yes um but then it goes down to the question of like, uh, like it goes down to the whole like, oh, violence and video games question, right? Like, which kind of like leans into that part, right? Mm-hmm. Like the whole, does violence in video game create people who are mass murderers? Mm-hmm. And so, and that question has been debated for ages. And I think it's too simple of a question and i think the same about the question of porn because people are like oh well you know (laughs) watching rape (laughs) doesn't make you a rapist and you're like okay but does it desensitize you to it Mm -hmm. probably yeah um does it like and this is the studies that have been done right like where people like mostly they're they've been like psychologists who do these studies who are looking at like does um exposure to like you know violent pornography um shift people's attitudes around rape and violence against women yeah. and yeah it does I impact can, their definitely, attitudes definitely agree right? With that, right and um you know the, the guys in, in some of these studies are like more likely to say that when a woman says no she really means yes like mm-hmm. they're more likely to agree with some of these like rape myths mm-hmm. right which is a problem because those rape myths are exactly what upholds rape culture and allows rape to go on right so yes it's like it's still a problem whether or not you're saying like oh this thing definitely causes this thing. It's yeah. like you can't say that with a lot of social phenomenon. You can't say causation because we're not going to put a bunch of guys in a room like fucking, what is it, a clockwork orange and like pin their <laughs> eyes open and make them watch violent porn and then go see if they harm people. Right. You can't do an ethical experiment on it. So no, we're never going to know if it causes this, but we can definitely say it can make people more callous towards rape and rape survivors, make them more likely to believe myths mm-hmm. and not believe survivors that's a problem yeah no and that that's the thing i'm just like i agree with that societal part of it um the thing that like i think is the thing that drives me nuts is the whole like the individualized the personalized kind of like view of like uh 
what do we what do we do for sex and the whole thing around no fap and no not november and stuff like that and i think that there is um people who people can become addicted to porn absolutely and those people have maybe do need to cleanse from it and do need to like step away from it i think i'm i encourage people to do that right and it's just like like any type of like media right like people talk about like doom scrolling for example (laughs) like like they just scroll through like bad news bad news bad news bad news and you're like take a break take a break it's affecting your mental health right yep um and so i think it'll be the same thing with porn however it is like (laughs) some people were saying this is going back to this dumb documentary that i saw that was like well, it gives you a a two hundred percent dopamine hit, like when you watch porn, and I was like, yes, you have a two hundred percent dopamine hit if you eat a good meal too. <laughs> so get rid of all good meals, man. That's exactly it. It's just like it's just like no well, more good food. This needs to be put in context, right? And I'm all for the whole like this. This causes rape culture. I think that is contributes to contributes to for sure. And I think that like. I'm, I agree with that fully. Do I, but I don't know what the solution is, right? Mm. That That's the part that, that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we talked about it. Yeah. Um, and I think like, yeah, the, cause I mean, people have, have been trying to create, um, like more ethical porn for a while now. And I mean, it's not perfect by any means. And there've been definitely issues within, um, that industry still, but people are trying to, make sure that they can create porn that is more representative of like diverse people, diverse bodies, Mm -hmm. um, diverse sexualities, like Mm -hmm. people trying to make much more realistic and like always, you know, consensual. um, This is the ethical porn porn. thing. Yeah. This is ethical porn. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, again, like questioning, like whether or not we can like, there's a, there's just so much room in this industry for consent to be violated and stuff. Like it's definitely Definitely. complicated. Um, and I think there's a lot, there's a lot there, but the fact that they're trying, I think is good. I think that's a good thing. Um, so, so that's one aspect of this. Um, and you know, making sure that workers have rights and like, you know, like a bill of rights, um, you know, that they can unionize, that Mm -hmm. they can do things, um, to protect their own interests in this industry that is, you know, highly lucrative, um, ripe to exploit people much like any other lucrative industry, um, and can prey on people's vulnerabilities easily. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's a really good movement. The other, the other thing that I think people are, um, looking into and and trying to develop is like okay we know that porn is a lot of young people's primary or only kind of sex education Mm -hmm. so how can we kind of buffer that with kind of yeah media literacy Mm -hmm. around porn so teaching them to think critically about it you know who made this where does it come from you know like like we would with trying to be ethical about the products that we use um and then to question the messages within it right like what is this particular scene telling me about men and women or whatever people's roles in society people's roles in relationships what is it telling me about which bodies are attractive or which ones aren't what is it teaching me about consent is consent even present um so the fact that like 
people are now working on stuff like this. There's a good TED talk we can link in the show notes sure. um, from a public health um, researcher in the States who developed a like a porn literacy um, program for teens to be like, OK, listen, like they want the information, you know, our research research on porn and its effects on individuals and society is always evolving. And like we said, there's there's evidence to show positive things mm-hmm. and evidence to show negative things. Mm-hmm we can give them the research let them know it's still evolving and say what do you think yeah because to young people are you talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely and i and that the issue is comes back to like the education piece as well um because i think a lot of adults and a lot of teachers a lot of principals are very uncomfortable with this topic very uncomfortable because and this i've learned this from firsthand this is very anecdotal this is not more research-based um anecdotal in the sense that as soon as you start talking about things like masturbation or things like um yeah porn literacy or even just knowing that they oh they might watch porn like becomes some sort of hand grenade for like parents to be like what are you teaching my child like it's the whole thing about like i really like i'm back in the day i think i I hope that like now it's becoming a more of a normalized conversation but like when we started talking about saying like oh you got to mention like if you talk to a kid about suicide that they're going to commit suicide because the the thought is going to pop into their head and we know that not to be true anymore right Mm -hmm. like that is that is such a myth but it's the same thing with porn it's just like Oh, now that the kid knows that porn's around, they gotta go look at porn. And like they've been looking at porn for ages. Like, like <laughs> we were talking to like Be a realistic. Four, like a fourteen or sixteen year old. Like they 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 know what porn is. Yeah. You <laughs> just know. opened the door to the internet for them with this one <laughs> yeah, conversation. No. Magic. Wow. Like, so it is a real ridiculous sta- statement to say that, but it is an issue with schools. Yeah. And it is an issue that they're so they it is such a hand grenade to them. And yeah. it's such a yeah, that part I don't know about. Like, And I think, it again, it has nothing to do with the kids. It's all about to do with the parents. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, like, it's that, that really shows me um, why sex education programs that come into schools from somewhere else could be really useful. Yeah. Because um, an educator who only does sex education is going to be pretty comfortable with the topics. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm very able to tackle it in ways that are nuanced, Um that maybe a teacher would be like, oh God, what do I do? And they're thinking about the parents maybe more than mm-hmm. this person coming from like, for example, like a nonprofit yeah. coming to do sex education. So, uh, but unfortunately, Kenny decided to cut a bunch of our money to school. <laughs> so I'm not sure they can afford to bring in no, outside They can't people. even get masks. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, should we cut that? I don't know. Yeah, sorry, I don't know. Jake. sorry, Jake. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> Getting political on the oh, the cool takes always oh man yeah no and i and i i agree with that and i think that like i've always said like sex education in school specifically here in alberta would serve themselves so much better teachers can serve themselves so much better to just admit to the fact that people have sex for fun and it is an activity that people do and they don't just have it to have kids and that a lot of people do it like it is not something to be ashamed of it is not something to be feeling like because i think as soon as like people start teaching it with like like a velvet glove kind of kind of situation is when you lose them Mm -hmm. right and kids are they're they have amazing bullshit detectors i was about to say that (laughs) i just read your mind yeah they do they do and i think like you can have 
important, impactful sex education that's also stigma reducing, that's also like letting teens use their critical thinking, which they want to do. do. They do. Treat them like adults. Treat them like, not even just adults, treat them like people, like people that know stuff. With a fucking brain. With a fucking brain, exactly, right? And they'll surprise you. They will surprise you in the sense that they might know stuff that you don't even know about. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you about sites that they've seen. They'll tell you about um, which people are doing this snapshot thing and there or whatever it is like it's such a they know they know know what's going on they don't they're not stupid Mm -hmm. um but also there's stuff that they don't know and there's stuff that like critical thinking skills are very important in that type type of that age range and they don't have it developed yet so yeah they might know which sites to go they might not know why this is an issue or why this might um not serve them well later on in life so that's stuff they don't know. And that's the stuff as not only as educators, but as caregivers and as like adult mentors, we need to fill them in. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the part like you can, you can fill them in and you don't have to know which social media site that they go on. Cause that will change. But you, that stuff has not changed. So mm-hmm. yeah. And it, porn is such an interesting conversation because there is such a, like I said, there is a very heavy sentiment. And I think people who fall into the trap of like, um, porn addiction it's just like kind of like the drug conversation sometimes like like yes we get it like heavy drugs are very are hard but also like do we need to talk about like marijuana addiction or do we need to talk about like other like shrooms and stuff like that and you're like that's kind of less harmful um but some people are like no drugs or all drugs <laughs> yeah and then Luckily, there are folks who are like harm reduction. Yes, and like, harm reduction, right? We can figure it out. And I think and it's the same thing with, with porn, right? Like, what's where's harm reduction in porn, right? That's why we talked about ethical porn and about like porn literacy. Yeah, because that's kind of harm reduction. Yeah, for porn, that's true. It's Trying a to prevention. reduce reduce the harms within the industry as well as outside of it, um, right? Because part of the reason that like violent porn even exists is because like there's a demand for it itself so can we <laughs> decrease the, the demand for it right and then it becomes less popular yeah right and yeah. that would probably only happen if people were actually like thinking about it critically yeah like what i like why i like it or whatever so. what do you think i think maybe the last kind of thing before we uh see a do um what do you think about this idea of like controlling your own sexual narrative i'm thinking mostly like things like only fans Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because um, when you are your own boss, you know, it kind of removes that pimping aspect that can mm-hmm. happen so often um, in and around, like, this, the sex industry. Um, so, like, yeah, I think it's interesting, but I also am, it's, I'm very curious about, like, people's ideas around like whether or not it's really truly liberating and empowering to be a woman under patriarchy living in a capitalist society and being like okay well this is a way that i can make money right is by like like selling your body yeah, yeah. and i mean like not your body for, like you know i know fucking no shade like yeah do what you gotta do yeah right totally. people need to eat People need to, and and for some people it might be super fun Mm -hmm. and like really a good experience for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's awesome. But I don't think it should negate a conversation that is necessary about capitalism and patriarchy. Absolutely. And that you can accommodate to it 
but we shouldn't stop trying to dismantle it yeah and if you know we are of the mind that like we should decriminalize all sex work i'm like okay if that's what's going to keep you know women and non-binary folks and, and and queer folks particularly um safe in the sex trade then that's great mm-hmm. um but i really hope that we are still providing supports for people and not just saying like well this is one way you can survive under capitalism so do that if you need to and it's like well <laughs> hopefully we're also like you know bolstering our public health systems our yeah. public education systems Absolutely. ensuring that people can access safe and affordable housing that there's still income support for people that we're not just saying like we're going to throw you out to the fucking wolves and say good luck under capitalism. And if this is what happens to be like the only way you can make money, then it's we should always be conscious of what is really a choice for people and what isn't, I yeah. think. And just be really aware that like if we're if we're going to go one direction or another, um, whether it is the root of like the Nordic model, for example, which is what we currently have, where, mm-hmm. you know, buying is criminalized, but selling is not um, that or we're going to go the route of like decriminalize everything. It's all good. Understand that either way, you should make sure that you have the strongest public systems available to catch people and Absolutely. not allow them to fall through the cracks. Because unfortunately, like people can say like, you know, I think that like, you know, high end escorting is like a fucking world apart from street sex survival like mm-hmm. sex work mm-hmm. right and you i don't know if necessarily the same laws or the same interventions are going to serve both of those populations in the yep. same way that and so sense. again multiple truths might be you know true at the same time where it might be liberating and empowering for some per- someone but also like something else that has been um not liberating not empowering and really uh, a tactic for survival and you know connected to past abuse and yeah like that and you can't ignore that both of those things could be true yeah you might just have to have different ways to approach them that's true and i think that yeah, you're totally right about that i think that like um that there is i would hope that people who choose sex work would do it because it is uh not only a viable way to make money but also something that they think is fun just like any type of entrepreneurship um and that they're protected you know what I mean? Just like any type of entrepreneurship. Not to do it just because they are like, I need to do this to make a living. Well, most entrepreneurs do that. But at the same time, like they start because they think it's something that they're passionate about and they are they feel like this is something I want to do. I hope that that's like under capitalism, obviously. That's like a weird mention. It's a weird caveat to do this. But it, like when I think of any entrepreneurship, that's like, that's the way most people start. It's like, I want to do this because I love it. And also, this is a great way to make money. Mm-hmm. I would hope that that would be the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, if people want to have a conversation about, like, well, people are choosing this totally freely. I'm like, question no, it's, why it's only women who seem to choose it then. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it, right? If it were a real fun, easy, nice way to make money, I, I think guys might pick it <laughs> more 100%. 100%, right? That's, a, that's such a tell, right? That is such a tell. <laughs> and that's why I said, like, just still, like, always be critical and examining that this exists under capitalism. This exists under patriarchy because you can't really divorce it from those contexts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I know that it's still really heated and people are still really like, oh, and there's huge raging debates about like how best to, to serve folks in sex work. And I don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. I, I truly don't. And I think that that research is still and always evolving. And I want people to be protected and safe. Um, I just don't know exactly what's the best way to do that. Yeah, so. not right now anyways. Yeah. 
great. This is good. <laughs> this is a spicy conversation. Is what you would say. Spicy. How many times are we going to say it? Oh, man. It's twice. At least once twice. more. Spicy. Say it twice. Spicy. You can say this three times, four times. Spicy. <laughs> um, only say that because the spicy thing was because it, it became a part of our of our campaign for some reason. Because <laughs> it is a spicy conversation. No, it's just the word in general. It just became spicy. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Anyway. Has this not been spicy? No, it was good. It wasn't oh. spicy. Anyway. <laughs> it was very like critical and very like <laughs> enjoyable. There you go. <laughs> oh boy. If you have uh, a topic that you would like for both of us to talk about um, that you want to like, hey, I want to learn more about this uh, or hey, I want you guys to talk about this. Um, please let us know. Uh, you can always email myself at uh, marmanhoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can even email my next gen men email at uh, german at nextgenmen.ca. That's how you spell it. That's how you say it. Um, or you can even email Veronica at... Yeah, it's Veronica at nextgenmen.ca, but it's with a K, K. instead of a C. Yeah. Yeah, just gets everyone. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes as well too. Just just send us a line. Um, we'll try to. And also, um, I'm just teasing this out. There's going to be new developments coming out with Modern Manhood in the near future. I'm talking about next year. We might need your help if you are are interested in storytelling and audio editing, in just gender and masculinity in general and you are like hey i want to be part of an awesome podcast something's gonna come out soon i'm just letting you know just letting you know that um we might need your help so mm-hmm. uh watch out for that it's gonna come up really soon um keep in mind in in, in our twitter it's it's modern man pod for twitter and instagram um and yeah <laughs> you it'll be exciting i'm very excited uh veronica's very excited mm-hmm. come hang out with us <laughs> come hang out with us in in an awesome way um and yeah we'll, we're gonna need some some awesome volunteers to do this so anyways that's all i have to say for that <clears throat> you'll see that you'll hear about it soon enough um any last words veronica um anything you want to plug n- i mean i think people should also maybe keep an eye out for jake's next um book club because that will be starting in the new year as well. So um, he's not going to tell you what book it is, um, but you'll be able to join the book club with other male leaders across the country and actually outside of Canada as well, who are all reading and talking together um, to basically like start to understand gender equity in more nuanced ways, how to bring that leadership into their workspaces, right. all of that good stuff. Um, and then, yeah, if you know a 11 to 13-year-old boy who could benefit from a supportive community right now, check out our boys club. Um, we haven't been super great at promoting it just yet, which is unfortunate. We will get better with that. <laughs> we were dealing with our zine for a while and we're yeah. just like, ah. Um, but boys club is, am- is amazing and Jonathan is honestly the best. Um, and yeah, they have this entire Discord channel. They have you know, their Minecraft realm. They have um, weekly homework help sessions. They have a lot going on. So yeah, that's pretty cool. um, there's a lot for, for boys to connect with others and get that positive mentorship. Very, very All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to Modern Manhood Cool Takes. Uh, we will come back in about, a, in about a month or so for our year end review. That's going to be so good. Uh, our, our yearly year in review. This is like the third time we've done it. We usually do it. You know, eventually, this time we're going to do it.
Thank you. No. <laughs> Maybe I'll invite you. Okay. It's like a right for the face. Is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For the coup. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I'll just show up. No, I'm just, I was just thinking just doing it for all three of us. Uh, that would be kind of fun. Um, I'll, I'll see if Jake is up to that. Anyways, um, that's going to be coming up in about a month. I don't know what the next episode is going to be about. I'm just thinking about what, what it'll be. Um, the last episode we did was about soccer and Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling. I think I did an awesome... Uh, I really like that episode because I did it with my friend Scott. And he's such a UK soccer fan. And he has an awesome Scottish accent, just so you know. It's a really good... It's a really good... Um, way of like listening to a podcast if you learn uh, a Scottish accent um, but I hope everyone has a wonderful week any last words no stay just, safe yeah stay safe stay warm if you're in a wintry place like we are and see you next see time see you next time Marmano cool takes